0: Wow. Wow, wow, wow. This interview is absolutely stellar. Just finished an interview with Perry Sean, who's an award-winning author of the book Sell More with Sales Coaching. She has written numerous articles for Salesforce, Entrepreneur, Sales and Marketing Magazine, National Porsche, and Forbes. She teaches coaches, VPs, sales teams on how to coach, improve sales, and most importantly, connecting the neuroscience of leadership in buying to help businesses grow she's worked with companies like ge hallmark at&t direct energy bell royal bank of canada and rogers just to name a few not to mention that she also was nominated for the prime minister award for teaching excellence in her field yeah you heard that you guys have to listen to this enjoy Hey, what's going on everyone? You got the 7-2 Mindset Investor here with just another fantastic guest. I just love how the guests that were coming on to the podcast now are probably people you've never heard of, spoken of. I mean, usually they're within a small little sphere, but if you guys know me quite well, I like to push the limits and I want to grow myself. So it's actually self-serving and you all know my, my, uh, passion is all about the connection between mindset and success. So on this episode, we have Perry Sean, who's an award-winning author. I mean, the book is called sell more with sales coaching, uh, uh, really focuses on the whole neuroscience, which I love and the connectivity with business. Um, you know, you, you're a nominee for the Prime Minister's Award for Teaching Excellence in this in this arena. So, Perry, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Great to be here.
0: This is, uh, I know we spoke a little bit before, but I mean, I'm, ex- I'm all excited. Like, I'm a kid in the candy store because this is my passion. It's all about mindset. Um, you know, and we're going to get deep into this. So, Perry, can you just maybe start off with your background and we'll get right into it.
1: Oh, great. Uh, In terms of my background, I've been uh, blessed, cursed, whichever way you want to put it, to uh, be working uh, and helping others grow their business, whether it's through leadership or sales. And part of my work is also uh, helping with mindset. And uh, I use a particular uh, philosophy, which is really based on um, the science of how that connects to human behavior, actually quantum physics as it applies to human behavior and uh one of my uh, uh mentors for what, 25 years now is dr Martini, and uh, learning how to apply that in the business world uh with executives and leaders uh has been one of the things that i just love doing and also i if i don't apply it with myself uh i'm no good to anyone else so i've been using it with uh, for myself as well for years
0: very cool very cool So did this just sort of suddenly appear for you with mindset or was it something along your journey that sort of said, I need to look into this?
1: Oh, great question. I've always been interested in personal development. That's been a a love of mine for uh, most of my life and human potential and how can people do better. And uh, my husband at the uh, time was very, 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 very ill and um we had tried everything to help him um i won't get into what he had but long story short uh he finally turned to me one day and said i'm not going to do this anymore i I won't take the drugs it's just not worth it and uh and then our chiropractor turned us he said if there's anyone in the world who can help you it's dr demartini and so um we went, uh, well, long story, originally I wasn't gonna go. We had two children and I was, I was a teacher at the time and it was um, um, just before March break and we were actually planning what we thought might be our last holiday as a family because of his health situation. And um, he said to me, he says, I'm not going unless you're going. I thought I was gonna stay home and prepare for our holiday. And you know, so I went with him. And boy, am I ever glad that I did when I went, because I had been looking for a long time for something that integrated. Because I'm a bit of a geek, I like science uh, in terms of the practicality of things. Uh, I'm all about human potential, and um, I I wanted something that also worked with. Um, it, it didn't contradict no matter which area you went into, you know, sometimes you learn something that works in one area, but it doesn't apply in another. And that's the reason why I like science is because i like to know that it works here and works there and works in all areas. And so within an hour I knew, and my reaction was, I was just in tears as I'm applying and learning these principles. And uh, I knew in that moment that for me, um, this held truth, and when it it may sound, you, know, you may have had those moments where you've had tears, where there's been a sense of truth for you. Um, but for me, I just knew that this, you know, the concept, uh, the major concepts are, uh, things are in balance. Uh, there's equilibrium. It's just a matter that our perceptions aren't. And so, therefore, how do we how do we shift our mindset? To be able to shift our perceptions so that we can actually see, uh, you know, what the gift might be in something that's that's uh, that we're seeing as challenging, and that to me. looking at it from our atomic structure, it's built on positive and negative. And it makes sense that psychologically, we also have this positive negative dynamic within it as well. Uh, And it also exists within business, etc. So it really um, went down to our health, which is also a high value of mine too. And so to me, that was a moment of truth for me. And it came out of uh, a very deep, dark moment in our family's dynamic because of his health. And I'm, I'm grateful that we got pushed to that limit that caused me to go. Mm-hmm.
0: So, well, thank yeah. you for sharing that. You know, it's, it's just fascinating. Um, you know, I'm, I've read a, a, a good portion of the book by Dr. Carol Dweck on, on mindset, which really talks about, you know, really at the end of the day, there's really two choices, you got a fixed mindset or you got a growth mindset and,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and really talking about more of the science of, I and mean, I highly recommend that book, but and every, every book that's really changed the paradigm or changed the shift with respect to successful entrepreneurship. Like I look at um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. There's a heavy emphasis on the mindset. Uh, another phenomenal book um, is The Power of the Subconscious Mind. Talks mm-hmm. again about the whole you know, that tapping into and tapping into our potential 2020 for many have been, has been a, a, a real struggle. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually shed more tears than I ever have in 2020, but the tears I've been able to shed have been t- t- tears of liberation of really mm-hmm. finding mm-hmm. myself and finding my purpose and yes. what I'm doing and being real for myself. Like I, I, I really believe up until I had to push on my being uncomfortable to really expose my, expose myself to myself. Yes. I was the world's biggest farce. I was, I was, and it was simply my ego and my ego was simply a result of my insecurities.
1: Mm.
0: And, you know, there's this whole term about let's be wealthy. And I find I'm like the wealthiest person in the world now because I have richness in my soul because mm-hmm. I've that. I may have less, but I have that richness and I'm comfortable yes. in my own skin.
1: Yes. I love it. That's... So, sorry, go ahead. No, to me, the journey is about I, our journey is about our own self discovery and and sort of like peeling back the onion to find out who we truly are mm-hmm. and um, doing that soul searching and doing our personal work mm-hmm. so that we can because you know, when we're looking at purpose, everyone has a very specific. You know, who they are and what they're 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 designed to do and it's almost like we're getting constant feedback from those around us from the things around us uh the events around us to give us that feedback to say you know it's over here it's over here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh i know for myself i've had moments where i've tried to hide who i really am from people mm-hmm. uh thinking that you know i need to fit into this box mm-hmm. and then I realized that's not what it's about. It's about, you know, this is who I am and but let's, let's play. Like today, I was having a conversation with someone and and uh, they were going down this path, which made sense for them. And I thought, do I share that that path doesn't make any sense for me or do I keep my mouth shut? And I thought, I'll take the chance, <laughs> I'll be me. And so I shared with him and I went, I. You know, that I know is a very common way to go. I'm thinking, you know, based on these principles, for me, this one makes Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. And um, it led to a really deep conversation that I'm really grateful that we had the opportunity to really connect. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if I hadn't have taken that chance, well, uh, take the chance of getting slapped and you might just get kissed, I think is the expression. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So. absolutely
0: there's just you know there's um there's a, a great podcast and i'm trying to think of the name here and he talked about the the trans of energy you can put their push the positive energy or negative energy and how it comes back and really at the end of the day it all comes back to science which is just incredible i mean mm-hmm. i know in this book as well they talk about the brain being plastic and the yes. brain is the only um part of our body that continues to grow And that we can, we can, and it can grow really. It's limitless
1: Mm -hmm. and,
0: and -hmm. it's what we do with it. And it's like, when we push our levels of being uncomfortable, it forces our brain to grow as well. And there's more firing of synapses and so forth. Um, And and, uh, now again, I haven't read the randomized controlled studies, if there are studies, but the relation of dementia and us pushing our own boundaries into our potential.
1: Oh, interesting. What are your thoughts on that? (laughs) <laughs> I've got firsthand experience in that in my household. Okay. Um, dementia is such an interesting topic. Um, and we've been experimenting it in our household. Someone in our household has early onset dementia, meaning Thanks, that it hit that. them in their hey, actually, it's been a gift. Okay. And, and, and that's the way we've been looking at it. We've been looking at it as. What is it that this is bringing to us as a gift. Okay, and this is my husband and it started in his 40s. And so the interesting part about it, and and when we really get down to brass taxes, because a lot of the experts are absolutely shocked. They've been asking us for interviews about it. uh, Asking us to go on national television to talk about it. We're not there yet. But what, what we've discovered is um, when he feels purposeful, the neurons in his brain are able to make him far more
0: functional. Unbelievable. I got chills down my back just hearing that.
1: Yes. Okay. And so, and the times in which he doesn't feel purposeful, he is more... Um, has more memory challenges, has uh, inability to use technology and such. Mm-hmm. But when there's purpose connected to it, not purpose for anybody else, but for him, for who mm-hmm. he is specifically, he's a former professor. And so when I set up the opportunity for him to give a uh, you know, to help other people with presentations or something like that, mm-hmm. he's on. And mm-hmm. but then when you get him to do something that he doesn't like, that's not part of his purpose, mm-hmm. it's all of a sudden the dementia kicks in. Mm-hmm. And so what we've learned, and also with the type of dementia he has, there is uh, because there's over a hundred different types that there there's supposedly, um, major behavioral issues. Okay. And, uh, the doctors look at the scans and hear our description of what's going on when he's not purposeful is when those behavioral issues and the uncontrolled behavior comes from when he's feeling purposeful, it shifts. And so to me, the concept of purpose in connection to dementia i think is not one that's being looked at deep enough and also we're really um we're in a real transparent household i'm really giving you the goods here we also have conversations about um you know we call them emotional charges and you know what are the things that we hold as emotional charges from the past Mm -hmm. and he's also we've had very conscious decisions and discussions about things about you know, perceptions of his childhood impact his desires that he's having at this point. It's almost like he's uh, recreating some of that dynamic so that he can re-experience his his childhood to some degree uh, to get those things that he missed, felt like he missed. Mm -hmm. And with me being conscious, aware of that, and us discussing it consciously, we can actually build that into our lifestyle so he gets to have those experiences. But if we go down the traditional route of, you know, his job is, or my job is to be his caregiver and to make sure that, you know, he is fed and, you know, those kinds of things. It's, it's not the game we want to play. It makes his life short. I'm a believer. I've, I've seen both my parents and their later years in life as they declined. They both died young. And Uh, as they declined, um, my mother in particular, because of some of the drugs, she had cancer, um, some of the drugs they put her on, uh, it really affected her mind. Uh, But what I learned as she was declining was that no matter what was going on, if we set up and made sure that, and I'll I'll add some more language to this, that as long as her values were being met, and when I say values, you know, our highest values, our highest priorities, which makes up our purpose. Mm-hmm. And as long as that was being met, she was fine. And the interesting part is that her desire for those was there right to the very, very end. And so to me, what's the individual's purpose in this moment, this time? And how do we set up that individual's experience? when they have, (laughs) you've really hit a topic on dementia, but um, uh, I obviously uh, have some strong perceptions on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But to me, it can be uh, navigated in a way because there's still, yes, yes, the person is changing. Yes, the person is declining, but their values and their purpose is still there. Mm -hmm. And those around us, I feel it's my responsibility to um, to bring that to the forefront. Mm-hmm. So to be a conduit to help manifest that as much as I possibly can.
0: Yeah. This is unbelievable. I, I, unbelievable. Um, so I suffer from anxiety. Um, mm. it's been something I've been battling with for a number of years, um, yes. uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, probably related to going through a nasty divorce and some, you know, just, probably my high stressful uh, profession before dealing with very sick individuals in a hospital. Um, And I find that where the anxiety kicks in is in that level where I'm not feeling fulfilled. And it's just this automatic trigger. And along this journey, what I found was is instead of searching of who I, who I am, I am now creating who I should be. Hmm. and by doing that is putting that level of fulfillment yes and it's it's been fascinating like since I've tapped into this whole mindset and and potential the anxiety levels have just gone down but where they do get triggered is that moment when I get pulled to that dark side again
1: yes yes and and for me, if you think about it, and maybe I'll ask you a question, if I, I mean, can. Please. Because um, you, you touched on it, but I think that there's a real gift in this. And I think this is key in all of the mental health issues that we're having in, during COVID or just in general, okay, is when you're feeling purposeful fulfilled, do you have the anxiety being expressed?
0: The anxiety expressed in what way?
1: So so for example, when you, you think think of a moment in which you had anxiety, were you feeling purposeful in that moment?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that's a pattern I've been discovering when I ask questions of people is that that's the case. Is that so is it? that anxiety is just a feedback mechanism that we're not on purpose versus that it's a problem. Do you know what I mean? This is
0: unbelievable. Like I I'm just in utter awe right now because yes, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, And when a peak moment for me with dealing with the anxiety um, and one of my mentors um, who sits on Tony Robbins inner circle Um, Mm -hmm. I had an interview with him and he's just phenomenal. And he said, you're missing one key component. You're doing everything else. You're you're focused on your mind. You're focused on your body, but you're not focused on spirit. And it's not just the relationships with others. It's the relationship with yourself. Yeah. And he said, what you're missing is practicing gratitude. And it was when I got this gratitude journal, as I talk about this and getting chills on my back, it was when I started practicing gratitude and I went to Amazon purchased a gratitude journal for $4 and 99 cents that $4 and 99 cents is worth millions of dollars because it, it just took away that anxiety and I felt fulfilled.
1: Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. So,
0: so, and I mean, I left a very high paying profession, but I lived a life of emptiness. I was a dead man walking Mm. for 43 years. Yeah. Um, Part of searching or creating uh, myself was having to remove myself from environments. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a, a great proverb, uh, Persian proverb, which talks about you don't move the plant that's not growing from its environment. Sorry, you don't move the environment from the plant; you move the plant from its environment. Mm-hmm. The same thing happened to I me. Mean, I had, I, you know, and and what happens a lot of times too is, you know picture a dandelion or really nagging weed growing in a lawn. And if we continue to water that and fertilize it, it's just going to grow. Same thing could be said. And we don't do that. So why do we give negative situations, negative environments, negative people in the world more attention when it's just going to let that weed grow out of control. We're, We're doing it to ourselves.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So in the, when you're, when you're coaching on the, these, the higher level executives, Cause you mm-hmm. did mention you are, you know, you've done, you know, you've been an author with Forbes and high, like I think Salesforce, I saw that, you know, in your, in your, in your CV. Yeah. I mean, my experience with a lot of executives, CEOs in my previous life, very narcissistic, um, very more about the bottom line and mm. not willing to, not all of them, but some of them. And they were just so anti-investing in themselves or investing in their people. And it all came down to bottom line. What do you see? I mean, it, it, obviously, it, it, everybody's in business to be for profit. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with that? Do you deal with it? Like, what are you seeing? What is, what's, what's the future uh, of, of business <laughs> I, with that?
1: I, I, I call it a wake-up call. And to me, uh, my philosophy is that all business is a byproduct of people.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, because you're not making money unless there's some connection to people Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the dynamic. Um, And so, in terms of patterns that I see uh, with those I coach, there is very much awareness of the development of their people. Um, and it's almost, and, and maybe it's different with the individuals that I'm working with and what you've experienced, but it's, um, there's a, and I'll, I'll use this word that they care. I know that they want their people to know that they matter and how do they get that across? Because there's a realization and my, my perception from working with them is that uh, yes, the numbers are important, and yes, that's essential. Uh, and they have a responsibility to both their stakeholders and to their client base and their, and their investors. Um, and there's, but there's a deliberation by which to do it with their team um, and to, how do you do it, to get the buy in to move forward. Uh, and to realize that they can't do it. Um, yes, we're in a marketplace right now where it is an opportunity for, you know, any employer to find, you know, great employees just because there's a lot of people out there right now looking for work. But uh, the reality is they're looking at keeping the, the great folks, the people who really care. Um, and that to me that to me is inspiring and to be able to work within that uh, and how to help a leader um, be able to emulate that care in the context of um, growing a business. I mean, profit is a word that I love. because it's not just about money, it's about evolution and growth and development. Okay. Um, and how do you benefit in, in terms of growth and development? And how do you develop your people to help them grow in order that you can do that much better? And to me, a, an organization and a leader who's focused in on that is in, will have the team following them pretty much anywhere. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Whereas I have seen in the past, not currently, but in the past, some leaders that fit into the category that you're talking about, and they will jump ship in a, in a heartbeat um, when they have a leader like that. And mm-hmm. to me, um, the, the leader who truly cares and wants the team to know that they matter is the leader that is the one who can make a profound difference with mm-hmm. their team. Mm-hmm. A real profound difference.
0: Mm-hmm. So true. So true. Yeah, no, I and I just find it like it's because now you're coming into a stigma, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I can only imagine there's there's a stigma now. We're we're coming into a new dawn or new age. Yeah. But the stigma before was this whole mindset stuff is very woo-woo. Oh yeah. And it's like, I don't need I need need to drive profits, I could just pay my people more. I just had to tell them increase their numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, so how, so for you, when you approach, when you're either approached by these, these organizations, or you approach these organizations, I mean, that must be fascinating. I want to hear all about it. because
1: (laughs) I often, I have to get called. um, When you're describing that kind of situation uh, in the past, I would be called in and say, look, we're having real troubles with this particular exec. Can you fix them? And it's like, And it, it's like, how do you, how do you help someone be human? You know, how do you, how do you help someone go from being purely numbers driven? Uh, It's not easy work. Uh, It takes um, interactions. And part of it is if their values are all in that direction and not with regards to people, part of it is helping them connect, you know where do these numbers come from? How do they occur? You know, what's important? What's it a byproduct of, and you can get there. It takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really want to tap into the whole neuroscience side. Okay. Like, I just don't even know where to start. <laughs> so let's, I'm going to have, I'm going to turn this over to you now. And so, how do you speak to people about neuroscience and its relation to just being successful? I know we talked about dementia and we talked about mental health yes. and, and that kind of stuff. So how does the, where's the connect between neuroscience and a very we'll call profitable business.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, there's a several things going on in the dynamic And all first off to recognize that most of your clients buying decision is already complete. And because too many salespeople, we have a philosophy in our household that um, <laughs> that we won't buy from a salesperson that's not got good skills. Mm-hmm. And as a byproduct, we, as much as I really wanna buy something, I won't buy because I don't wanna reinforce the wrong behavior and uh, I said, will let you know, we saved a lot of money because of it in the bigger mm-hmm. picture. Um, and the research shows that we actually make the decision unconsciously. That uh, when they've done studies to find out and let, you know, when you make the decision to buy you know, press a button, we've already had the areas of the brain responsible for that decision activated well before they press that button. Mm-hmm. So it's there unconsciously first. And the job of whoever it is is having the conversations with the clients uh, or the customers, whoever, um, is to ask the questions to help them to be, the the, the client to become more aware and more conscious of the decision that they've already made. Not to try, you know, it's not a power struggle of trying to convince someone to buy. Instead, you're joining them on a journey that they've already been on and your job is to inquire where they are and to help them with that remainder of that journey. Uh, typically when I do presentations that involve sales, I'll ask a question uh, and will qualify Um, Because I'm a believer, yes, that's what the research says, but let's test it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so we qualify, you know, 25% means they're most likely not going to buy, 75% not going to buy, 50% meaning they're window shopping, they could buy or they could not buy, 50 50. Uh, 75% meaning that they're going to buy, they just don't know which product, Mm -hmm. uh, which I say is on a mission. And then finally, 100 percenters, which is um, those individuals who know they're going to buy and they know exactly which product. Mm -hmm. And when I ask people to choose, and this is thousands of people, to choose randomly any product that they've purchased in the last couple of years with the help of a salesperson, and it can be anything they want, the majority of the group, 80% or more, say that they have 75% of their buying decision complete before they speak Mm -hmm. to the salesperson. Mm-hmm. And then, when you add another layer to it, and I say, you know, pick something where you were given a referral mm-hmm. and you called the office, a professional service of some kind, um, the majority of the people are at 100% of their buying decision. Complete. Mm-hmm. So, this makes the way in which organizations, individuals, entrepreneurs go to market. Because ideally what you wanna do is set up your marketing so that by the time you're having a conversation with a client, that you've moved that, you've in the marketing process or the sales activity that you're engaged in, that they come to the conversation with at least 75% of the buying decision complete and as close to 100% as you possibly can so that your conversations are more effective and more efficient. You know, they're shorter, uh, more helpful. Most people don't want to take a long time to accomplish something, uh, so to me, that makes the most sense dynamically.
0: Very interesting. Yeah, no the the psycholo- uh, psychology of sales, hundred uh, uh, percent. And be myself, being involved with high ticket sales for many years, yeah. and you know, it was always told me, and I this is I would tell our new reps is just. The best salespeople are the ones that just shut up and listen. Um, yes. The ones that, they're usually the ones that talk the most are the ones that, that aren't successful because correct they just yep. want to hear themselves talk. And to be successful in selling, in my opinion, is it's about providing solutions, but you mm-hmm. cannot provide a solution if you don't know what someone's problem is. Right. And, yes. and again, that comes in from listening. Mm-hmm. The other aspect is it's that confidence um, from the buyer and what I talk a lot about to people is that how can you expect someone to invest in you because you're the asset they're not whether I'm selling this phone or this phone they're both the same right Mm -hmm. so what they're investing in is in you you're the asset and if you have an unwillingness to invest in yourself you can expect that they will not invest in you. Yes, and the value proposition now becomes, I'll just go with that product because it's cheaper.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you know that I ask people what criteria they use to get to that seventy-five percent? What's that? Price doesn't come up. Yeah, price is not part of it, Mm -hmm. which is interesting.
0: Absolutely, and I've I've been like in you know, being in high ticket sales, I always knew my product, my prop, my, uh, my product is always going to be more money than the next person, but yes. I needed to separate myself from the rest mm-hmm. and they, what the clientele were, they were buying into me
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, um, and it, it, it can go into any, 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 uh, any product at the end of the day, you are the product, right? Yes. <laughs> we are the product. So, um, and I just, I, I can't get enough talking about sales and that kind of stuff. Cause this is something that I had to do myself. And I, it's that yours only as good as your last sale.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's such a competitive world that others are just going to come up very quickly. So you have to, you got to check your ego and you got to continue wanting to develop. And, um, you know, it's about mastery
1: mm-hmm.
0: and in its mastery never ends. Um, yes. You know, um, I think they say to be a master of something, you have to do something for over 10,000 hours. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. So tell me, so when you, when you're, when you're talking about the whole mindfulness mindset and how it relates to business, because I mean, you, you have written a book. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the book. I mean, and how this all relates, because I'm, I'm actually going to order your book. I hope it's on Amazon because uh, I'm, I'm very fascinated about it. And we'll make sure we put the title of your book in the show notes. So let's, let's talk about that. Okay. Um,
1: the, the book was actually written specifically for sales managers. And, and, and I say that it was uh, because what the publisher, Wiley, has informed me, the executive editor, he shared with me, he said, what we're discovering uh, based on what we're, you know, what we can find at our end is that we have 50% of the people buying the book are entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, and what do you think that is? He said, I think they're using it to coach themselves on how to do better. I said, oh, isn't that interesting? And so the way I, I and I remember when I met with him the first time and he saw the manuscript and he said, I love the way you write. Your book is absolutely perfect for what we need. And I said, oh, well, thank you. He says, it's perfect for people who don't read. And I, I went, pardon? <laughs> and, and he said, most people don't read the books on their shelves. What they do is they skim and scan. Mm-hmm. And part of what I've done in, when I write is I use, I've, I've, how can I say, I've done some reading in the area of the studies with regards to eye, uh, eye tracking, you know, where mm-hmm. the eyes move. Uh, and how to do things so that they'll pick up the main, main parts by skimming and scanning. And uh, so what he shared with me uh, later was the going back to the original conversation uh, was because the first chapter I have a tool that I designed uh, where you uh, fill it out and it tells you where your, your sales issues are. And then you go to the chapter to find out how to solve that sales issue. And it gives you the sales coaching questions to ask, uh, to unravel it. And uh, he said that I think they're using it to actually figure out what they're doing wrong and actually coach themselves to do better. And I said, well, that that works, whether it's you know the leader doing it or an individual doing it for themselves. Uh, so it was a it was a um it was a a journey of deciding to do it uh because i've been teaching leaders for in the world of sales how to do sales coaching for some time and my philosophy was against the norm at the time I, i think it's more embraced at this point but at the beginning it was not embraced um and that is i'm not about reviewing the numbers as a coaching um to me, it's about helping the person do better. Mm -hmm. And so letting them bring what they would like to work on to get better. Most people know what they need to do to get better. Mm -hmm. Uh, And let them bring that to the coaching dynamic. And let the numbers be the measure of how well they're doing, but not be brought to coaching. Uh, Because too many uh, sales coaching dynamics were about uh, well, come on into the room. Let's review your numbers. Let's look at your pipeline, and and then off you go.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: that, that that doesn't tell them how to get better. That just mm-hmm. tells them you know what they you know how well they did in the past, but not what they can be doing in the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I I you know sort of flipped things uh, a bit in that regard, which was fun.
0: I love that. It's like back in the day when I was in elementary school, there was a book called "Choose Your Own Adventure." So yes, would- <laughs> exactly. That's what it was like. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. It's so I, I, that's fascinating, um, and the I, I love what you're saying there because a lot of times in sales, you're given for any salesperson, you're given a quota. So mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're given this hairy goal that that's yes. the number you have to hit, um, and there's really no GPS that's given to you. It just simply said that's the end destination and, and go. Um, it's like there's a movie called Rat Race, which was hilarious, which they said, you know, they had, everybody had to find a way to get to, I think it was summer in Nevada, to get the silver something in Nevada. Anyway, it's a funny movie. Yeah. Think of Mr. Bean who's in it, but. Um, oh, that would be funny. <laughs> and um, so there's Leeds and there's Legarts, and there's a, a great book. I can't remember the name of the author. Is it, is it the, um, oh, name, I've lost the name, but it's Leeds versus Ligerts. So for example, if someone wants to lose weight, you could say someone wants to lose thirty pounds, but there's really no guarantee they're going to lose that because you can't control how much weight someone loses. What you can control is the actions. Exactly. So, so instead of focus on focusing on the quota, so to speak, saying I want to lose thirty pounds or I have to sell two million dollars or I have to do whatever, it's focusing on focusing on the things you can control, which is going to be your daily actions. Yes. So, totally
1: agree. Yeah.
0: So it's focusing on the number of sales calls you make a day, the number of people you reach out on a daily basis, the number of interactions, instead of just looking at that end number at the end of the year. And there's uh, two great books uh, I've read. One is called The Slight Edge. Um, and that was a phenomenal book. And that talks about as easy it is to not do something, or sorry, as easy as it is to do something, it's so easy not to do it as well, right? Yes. But it's these little micro steps along the way. And it's like you hit this, um, like eating a pizza, full pizza every day, you're not going to see the effects until all of a sudden it, you just get to hit that tipping point And it's like, versus eating healthy, eating healthy, or making those calls, making those calls. It's nothing's happening. Nothing's happening, but you need to have that mental stamina. And all of a sudden it just, it just takes off. Yes. Um, the compound effect is the same exact, exact thing by Hardy mm-hmm. phenomenal yes. book as well. Um, yes. and that's what it really comes down to. And I love, uh, I can't wait to read your book. Cause I, I'm always very fascinated about the sales side um so i was going to ask you another question uh with respect to um the books um Mm -hmm. specifically with the 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 neuroscience aspect is there a book you can recommend to the listeners
1: oh i read studies uh versus books uh in that world um and the reason why is i i here's a I like to make sure that I'm not contaminating my thinking with the bias of other individuals. Uh, and I want the original research. So I'm a little bit weird in that department. So I don't, no, want I don't read it. at all. I think that's good. And so I purposely choose not to read um, a, if it's a study, yes. If it's uh, if it's a, a book. So um, yeah. So that's my short version. <laughs> no, and,
0: I, and I appreciate that. I'm going to ask you something about that because for 21 years, that's all I did was read studies. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, in, in healthcare, in healthcare, like healthcare is one of the most dangerous industries in the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if there was actually a study that was done and it looked at um, like, and we looked at it, it looked at all the different industries of the world. So you actually had nuclear power, uh, you know airlines and so forth. And it actually deemed healthcare as dangerous as bunch jumping or mountain climbing.
1: Hmm. Interesting. And
0: yes. medical error is rampant. I mean and oh yes. Yeah. It's because you got the Swiss cheese model, right? And and what's happening is you you know, again, there's a the lack of consistency. Now there's mm-hmm. improvement, but there's a long way to go. So I, I read studies like crazy because selling for me, I had to come up with the most, the data. It was all about the data and the most dangerous words in healthcare. They always say is um, this is the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. And it was like standing in line to get your face slapped. So you can come up with a study that says, Hey, this, this is what, you know, this is a study is doing this, but to try to convince it was like, it was hell. And the caveat to that. The outlet to that was with any randomized controlled study, it would say more studies are required. And the the first studies that would always come out because they didn't want to create a hornet's nest, which was you actually had to come up with something that was going to be equivalent to
1: Mm -hmm.
0: as safe as
1: all in relationship to something else because the way our minds work and where certain industries are more open to innovation than others and then yeah i because the systems are all built on the old uh, old methods
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's why for me when i for studies that's why i look look, like that book um, by dr carol dweck on mindset Mm
1: -hmm. brings
0: in the studies but yes. it puts it in such a great, um, puts into examples. Um, yeah. when I start talking about studies about mechanical ventilation and cytokines and all, it's like, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I got th- yeah. tough leather skin for getting my face slapped 20 times from some physicians. So, yeah. um, so what's next for you, Perry?
1: Mm, great question. Um, I'm, I, it's interesting. been thinking a lot about, um, uh, legacy, And for me, the integration of mindset with sales. uh, I think there's such richness there that um, for me, I think that would be so helpful to people because I notice certain things that um, I'm not seeing others notice with regards to um, what makes Entrepreneurs, individuals more successful in business, mm-hmm. uh, and I say successful meaning more purposeful in their regard. In that regard, because uh, I'm a believer that everyone defines that based on who they are mm-hmm. um, and what, you well, know, what the summation of their values are. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, is how do I help them with feeling more purposeful in the creation of their business? Mm-hmm.
0: So, fascinating, yeah. fascinating. Uh, so it's a great segue as, I, as we come to a close with the interview and I can't wait to have you back. Cause this is, I just love this conversation. And in fact, I can't wait. And you have to let me know when you guys go on national television talking about
1: um, Our dementia. Okay. Uh,
0: absolutely. I, I, I'm just completely stunned and fascinated about it in a positive light. So, um, so as we come to a close, the question I, I asked my guests is the tombstone question. Mm-hmm. And the tombstone question is a question that was asked to me many years ago in that the day we meet the maker, we, we don't decide what's going to be put on our tombstone. Someone else will. Mm-hmm. What will be on your tombstone? <laughs> um,
1: what will be on mine? Oh, that's a great question. Um, hmm. I'm just going to say she was here and she was herself and helped others to manifest more of what they would love that to me is the ultimate purpose in life
0: i love that i love that i lied it wasn't the last question because you said something very fascinating <laughs> this would be this would be the last question
1: mm-hmm.
0: finding ourselves
1: mm-hmm. oh.
0: like a lot of the reading I've done, it seems like there's a trend that usually happens in our 40s. Is that like is there a link there? Like have you have you looked in that deeper? Now I'm not saying that was at your time. I mean you haven't hit 40 yet. Um but
1: I'm past well, past
0: 40. <laughs> oh, no, you don't look at you don't look at it at all. Um but I, I just a lot of the reading I've done, it just seems there's a a, a trigger point with that. I don't know if it's that midlife, crisis. I I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I'm just curious to know.
1: Um, There's some things that people have indicated uh, in the reading that I've done um, that it's a point in which the individual is independent of all other things in life. And so they're no longer dependent on parents. They're no longer dependent on the societal norms because now they realize they can they're beyond that. And that's the reason why it varies depending on the person and the background that they come from. It also tends to be an age in which people start to have memories, uh, come back from their childhood because they have the opportunity to process it in an independent environment. Uh, so I, I think that it's a significant time frame of our evolution as an individual. Um, we've usually set ourselves up by that point to some degree uh, to not be reliant on others. And uh, yes, we may be in relationships, we may have a family, but there's an independence that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that's the reason why it happens around that age. And I think the, deep reflections that we do we become i don't know if we're conscious of the you know we have a limited time at that Mm -hmm. age but um i I think that sort of hits us in our 50s at some point maybe late 50s -hmm. um from what i've observed but i think it's it's a time in which we we do seek purpose more fully Mm -hmm. Uh, for some people it starts Younger, sometimes like 36, something like that. But it is around the 40s as a general rule.
0: Interesting. That's what I've seen. Interesting. So Perry, thank you so much. This has just been I phenomenal. Will. And I'll make sure I put your information in the show notes and, and so forth. But if someone wanted to reach out to you, what's the easiest way they can find you?
1: Uh, easiest way to find me is LinkedIn uh, or uh, my Facebook group, which is Selling with Science and Soul, uh, too, is where they'll get to. Uh, interact with me quite easily.
0: Thanks so much, Perry. I really appreciate your time today. This was just been, I got a big smile on my face. My cheeks actually hurt. This was (laughs) a, a great conversation. Thanks again.
1: Great. Thank you.